Welcome to The Winsome Creationist, where we explore God's world using a model-building approach, interact with a gracious tone, and take a firm stand on the literal truth of creation found in God's Word. Join host Steve Schramm and occasional guests as they explore the mysteries and majesties from creation to the flood, Babel to the cross, and everywhere in between. And now, here's your host. Hey there, friends. Welcome into another episode of The Winsome Creationist. On this one, I want to talk about the first man, the first man that God ever created, who we know as Adam. Should we care whether or not Adam was a historical figure? Now, ironically, we covered this a few episodes ago in what I call the Adam framework. Okay. What we did there, though, was just sketch out the pieces of why I think uh, being a young age creationist is the right path. Okay. Why? I personally believe that young age creationism is the most consistent with the Bible and also why I think there's lots of good scientific evidence for it as well. But I'd like to drill specifically into Adam for just a little bit because as the years have gone by, the question of Adam's historicity has been intriguing for many. Um, Probably one of the most recent developments along these lines was Dr. William Lane Craig's book, In Quest of the Historical Adam. And in that book, which I, uh, full disclosure, have not read yet, I would like to read it. I've read some reviews of the book. I own it. I just haven't made it through the book yet. But I've watched many of his interviews, and I'm pretty familiar with the view uh, that he takes and also familiar with the criticisms of it. And this is not an episode specifically about that at at all. I just really want to give the lay of the land. We're still, just to zoom out a minute, in the early days of this podcast. And so a lot of the things that we're talking about right now are overarching concepts for people who are sort of new or, or beginning to think about creationism. And if you're a more advanced listener and you're listening along, I deeply appreciate that. I'm hoping that we can take even concepts and ideas that advanced listeners are familiar with and really speak about them a different way than many creationist popularizers uh, do or would, uh, because our goal here is to be winsome. And uh, with that as sort of a uh, forefront goal, I think it will set up a different kind of context for even the conversations that we're used to having than what we're used to seeing, unfortunately, if that makes sense. And not for a minute do I think I'm better than anyone else or, or whatever. That's certainly not the goal. Again, I just want to bring winsomeness and, and clarity and graciousness to the discussion of creationism as much as possible. And I think talking about the historical Adam is a place where we certainly should do that. So let's start out with a little bit of context for the historical Adam debate. We know, biblically speaking, that Paul and Jesus and other New Testament writers had feelings about the historical Adam. Okay, they referenced back to Adam quite a bit. And one of the things that uh, Dr. Craig in his book has pointed out is that there could be a difference, and there are some passages in which he makes this distinction 
between seeing references to Adam as truth in real life, in history, versus just truth in a story. It's the difference between saying, well, George Washington once lived and make a reference to some event in his life and tie that closely in, and saying... Uh, or making reference to, say, The Hobbit or a Lord of the Rings film or, or something along those lines or, or, or even Star Wars and saying, well, you know, Luke Skywalker did this or did that. And in that same way, we can and should do this or do that. Okay, th that's kind of the difference. Are, are, are we dealing with historical figure here or are we dealing with a non-historical figure but who nevertheless was sort of in the lore and understanding of the of the culture? And uh, you kind of have what I'm going to I'm going to just kind of classify as three broad stroke views when it comes to the historical Adam debate. You've got the view, broadly speaking, that Adam was a human much like you and I, even if he was in a different um, subclass of, of humanity. So in other words, we think as young age creationists that uh, Neanderthals and Denisovans, for example, were human, just like you and I. Of course, there were differences, and they're by classification, not Homo sapiens. But the point is, is that they're not something other than human. They are human. And really, what we're getting at is they're made in the image of God, okay? made in the image of God. That is a very core distinction that a young age creationist is going to want to make. Okay? A second view is that these were human-like animals. Okay? They were animals that looked a lot like humans, interbred with humans, objectively so. We know this from uh, all kinds of things, but, you know, DNA um, tests and all that, we know that human, you know, homo sapiens interbred with um, Neanderthals, we know that. It's indisputed. And nevertheless, these were non-human in the sense that they were not made in the image of God. Now, many old age creationists are going to take that particular view. And then the other broad view that is held is an evolutionary view that says that Adam and Eve were, if they were historical at all, they were just kind of the uh, progenitors of one particular basically tribe or, or, you know, working out in the evolutionary process. They were one couple who were descended from uh, numbers of at least 10,000 uh, before them, but possibly a lot uh, more. And if they that's if they were historical at all, but it, it's entirely possible on this view that they just weren't historical. And these stories that were told by Jesus and, and Paul in the New Testament, linking back to Adam, they are fictional, right? They're truth in a story. Um, in fact, and this is where it gets really crazy for me. Uh, Jesus and Paul might well have believed that they were real, no doubt about that. But we know from evolutionary science that they were just wrong. Now, 
if that strikes you as strange, well, it strikes me as strange too, but it is true. It's how some people view this scenario. So it's probably not fair to say there's only three views because they're not, but those are the three sort of broad brushes. Now, in recent days, two other, again, hypotheses have, have come in that are on the periphery of this and, and sort of what they do is they, they sort of sneak in between some of the other views and try to make peace with them. And those are William Lane Craig's view of the historical Adam and then Josh Swamidas's view of the genealogical Adam and Eve. And to sketch those for you a little bit, in Dr. Craig's view, he has become convinced by both the scientific data and biblical data about what some of those passages in the New Testament commit us to, um, that Adam and Eve indeed must have been historical figures. As a matter of fact, Dr. Craig is so convinced by the same evidence, ironically, that young earth creationists have been talking about for a while, um, that Neanderthals and Denisovans are uh, also human in the same way we are, made in the image of God. He's been so convinced even by that that he does want to say that they are human. Now, where this makes him very radical is what he's not willing to do is change his mind on the timeline. So, whereas in a young age creationist framework, believing that Adam and Eve are humans just like us fits nicely in that six to 10,000 year time frame, uh, Dr. Craig cannot bring himself to accept that time frame for whatever reason. I'm not going to speculate on that. And so he maintains that modern humans, we're talking about literally Genesis, you know, the events of, of, of the Garden of Eden happening um, 750 or so thousand years ago. Okay. And again, I'm not necessarily knocking it at this point. I'm just kind of laying out the land for you and giving you some context. Now in Joshuamidas's view, he says that there is a meaningful difference between the genealogical Adam and Eve and the biological Adam and Eve. So on his view, he believes that it's entirely possible from a genealogical perspective that Adam and Eve were the mother and father of all humans by around the time of Jesus, but that biologically speaking, because of um, things that you can and cannot even detect in the fossil record and all of that, there could have been lots of other humans around at the same time that they were, just like evolutionary science says. And in fact, what Josh wants to do is make peace with everybody. His his website is even called Peace Peaceful Science. And what he wants to do is say that, you know what? Um, science just doesn't really speak to this issue at all. It, 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 even in principle, it can't determine whether or not Adam and Eve were the sole progenitors of all, you know, humanity at that point. Um, because, you know, the Bible is using this language that would talk about genealogies. It's not necessarily linking back in some sort of, you know, making biological claims and looking at the actual evidence. We can't say whether or not 
Um, in other words, scientists cannot falsify belief in Adam and Eve based on this hypothesis. So he's trying to say that the scientists shouldn't be mad about Adam and Eve and that the creationists shouldn't necessarily be mad about Adam and Eve. At least what, what he's trying to say there is that nothing in the Bible prevents us from believing in an evolutionary framework being used by God and others existing around the same time that Adam and Eve did, it would still make Adam and Eve our parents today. So there's sort of the context uh, to set up for the historical Adam debate that has raged on for years and years now, and the idea of, of uh, Darwinian evolution just it won't let this issue die, and it is a serious consideration. And I uh, personally think that Dr. Craig's... Um, work on this and, and his sort of um, interjecting into the mix of ideas is important, not because it's right. I, I, in fact, I very much disagree with it, but I do think it's important because of, especially because of his assessment of the scientific angle of Neanderthals and Denisovans. That is hugely significant because it's the, the kind of thing that young earth creationists have been talking about since at least the eighties, maybe longer. And, um, uh, being ridiculed for. And so it's an important contribution in that sense. And I think a lot more study is going to, and at least it should result from it. So one question that uh, we may have with this in terms of trying to figure out whether or not we should actually care is why this issue would be a problem for evolutionary and old age models. And Again, we talked about that briefly when giving the context, but I want to make it very, very clear. The one overarching problem that both old age creationists, whether or not they affirm evolution, and then strictly evolutionists actually have, because they each have one really big problem that I think makes it super difficult to just ignore this issue of whether or not Adam was historical. Okay, So for the old age creationist, the big problem here is that if these human-like animals were not made in the image of God, and yet we have just mind-boggling amounts of evidence that humans and Neanderthals have interbred, then that means fundamentally, fundamentally, our parents created de novo in the garden by God interbred with these humans that are not really human because they were not created in the image of God. And just what and where does that spectrum end? I mean, do we really want to say and admit that, yeah, we have like bestiality is basically a part of our, um, a part of what it means to be a human being. And that raises, hopefully, what you can see is all kinds of moral concerns and concerns about, well, where, do, where does the image of God end and where does it begin? And, you know, is it just something that God placed there? And, you know, how, how does it, you know, how does it work? What does it even mean to be in God's image? Is it, is the actual, like, functions, the intelligence, like the things that a human can do, are those actually not at all tied to actually being in the image of God? Um, which I think most people would want to say that they are. So there's whole hosts of questions and moral concerns that 
come up when you consider the the possibility of Adam and Eve and their descendants essentially committing bestiality with others who were around them at that time, even if they, uh, quote unquote, weren't human. And then when you get into the evolutionary side of it, the, the biggest glaring issue that you have for them is Adam and um, or excuse me, Jesus and, and Paul, and I keep coming back to them because they're the two most obvious and I think the two most important, um, very clearly believed in a historical Adam. I mean, at this point, um, most evolutionists that I'm aware of are willing to concede that point. Okay. Some of them, some of them are not to, you know, to be clear, some of them are not necessarily willing to concede that and think there could just be something archetypal going on there. And Adam and Eve weren't necessarily real and all of that. But most of them, believe that Jesus and Paul were actually, um, like that's what they thought. They really truly thought that Adam and Eve were historical, but that they were wrong. And if they were wrong, then that means two important things. Number one, it means that that level of incorrectness has been inscripturated in the Bible. And what does that mean for not only inerrancy, but the concept of inspiration itself? That would seem to fall apart pretty quickly. And it's a pretty important issue. And uh, my buddy Tim and I just had a great conversation about this. I need to get him on the podcast to talk about this. Um, but we just had a great conversation where he basically laid out these four concepts, these four ideas of what it would mean um, for something to basically be heretical or to, to threaten the Christian worldview. And um, I, I'd like to have him on sometime to talk about that. But this is definitely one of the things that sort of fell into that. And uh, so you, you've got the issue of not only the inscripturation, like not knowing what's going on with that, but then you're going to say the Son of God was just factually wrong on things that he said and believed when he walked the earth. Now, I'm just not sure that a consistent Christian can can, can go there. Um, I think there are lots of scriptural problems with that. Um, I think... Again, for the inspiration issue, I mean, it kind of turns God into a liar, which, according to the book of Titus, uh, is something that's impossible. So it makes even more inconsistencies there. So lots of big problems if you start to go into the weeds of Adam um, being historical or not when you get into old age and evolutionary um, models. And I, I, you might say, well, well, you're not being fair because you haven't discussed the problems for a, a young age creationist, and I'm getting ready to do that right now. The only problem for a young age creationist in the historical Adam debate is time. That's the, that's the problem, time. Because biblically, young age creationism and historical Adam are completely compatible. No issues at all. Um, we believe that these early humans, like Neanderthals and Denisovans, these would have been uh, humans uh, living around, again, the time of creation, the time of the flood, um, early communities being buried with stone tools after the, like all of that stuff. We can fit all of those scientific considerations into our early uh, models or our, our models of early um, earth history. That stuff doesn't really matter at all. Where it comes down to the issue is the time of basically the mainstream scientists have determined um, this world has been around, okay? If the world is 4.5 billion years old and the universe a lot older than that, 
that we have problems with the biblical timeline. And some of you listening may want to say, well, no, we don't. We've been through this. I mean, it, people have been fighting about this for years. I'm just saying that when it comes to the historical Adam debate, the young age creationist does not have any biblical problems. We're completely consistent there. It's the scientific problem of time. And that's it. And again, we think that as young age creationists, there is no reason to think that the the time is any longer than six to 10,000 years. And we think that there is scientific evidence to back that up as well. Go back to my uh, episode on the Adam framework where we talk a little bit about that. And as well, I plan to have lots of guests on the podcast who are more of an expert in those areas than I am to talk through those things. So I hope you will stay tuned for those. My friends, I'm going to cut it off here. That's it for this episode of The Winsome Creationist. If you enjoy this, please share, give the YouTube channel a sub, subscribe on the podcast, and leave us a review. Let people know that you're loving it and that you find it helpful so that that will encourage others to listen when they come across it as well. God bless you guys. Hope you take care, and we'll see you in the next one.